my life kind of turned upside down when my dad, who the most amazing man ever, super educated, had two college degrees. He battled depression. I ended up finding him homeless my senior year of high school. I am a firm believer that nothing happens on accident, and the timing of me finding him and seeing him was no accident whatsoever. It all comes full circle with this nonprofit. You're listening to Made Here, a podcast about what it means to be an underserved entrepreneur in America and what it takes to turn a small business idea into reality. I'm your host, Stacey Klein, GoDaddy's Head of Corporate Social Responsibility. look back on your life and realize something negative that happened actually pushed you to something better or pushed you to finally start your own business. Maybe it was a really dark moment, one that would typically break you, but instead pushed you to a cause that you now tirelessly advocate for. That's the story of our next guest, Carly Burke. Carly is a Seattle native who created a chapter of Hashtag Lunchbag, a nonprofit organization that makes bagged lunches for the homeless, complete with love messages to inspire others. In this episode, Carly shares the tumultuous parts of her high school years that propelled her to pursue humanitarian work. She talks to us about the challenges of running a nonprofit venture and who currently inspires her to keep standing up for what she believes in. Hi, Carly. Hi. It's really great to talk to you today. You as well. So let's start off with a quick question just to get to know you. Yes. In one word, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? That definitely would be leadership. But I had to sit with that because I feel without adaptability, entrepreneurship is just not going to work, especially in these times. So I say leadership with a side of adaptability. Yes, couldn't agree more. I think as entrepreneurs, we wear many hats and having that adaptability is very important. Mm -hmm. So you are based in Seattle, right? I am. Born and raised Seattleite. Okay, so you grew up there. Tell me about what was your early life like? Oh my gosh, I was actually extremely shy as a child, which is really funny because if you meet me now, I just don't stop talking, especially about my views and my passions. Um, I had a really easy child life. My life kind of turned upside down when my dad, who the most amazing man ever, super educated, had two college degrees. He battled depression, which then turned into an addiction and alcoholism. And then I ended up finding him homeless my senior year of high school, which I am a firm believer that nothing happens on accident. And the timing of me finding him and seeing him was no accident whatsoever. So my life got pretty turned upside down about high school years. And then I actually became my dad's parent in 2001. He had a traumatic brain damage. He fell off a ladder and had just all sorts of medical and mental issues that I took on up until about two. He passed away. It'll be three years ago in August. So I had kind of a crazy life, but you know, it happens and you make the best out of it. And I have been fortunate enough to turn a lot of the negatives into positives, which is why we're talking today. 
So you were, what, 17, 18 years old when you found your dad on the street? I was 17, yes. And I was 18 when he fell off a ladder. So I, because my parents had just divorced and I was the next of kin, bingo, bingo, it all fell on me. So I imagine that's so incredibly tough and also forces you to grow up a little bit quicker Mm -hmm. than you might have. Yeah. I've always kind of had an old soul, to be honest with you. And I think because of that and because of that nature, I was able to take on so much that I did without even kind of I mean, now that I think about it since he's passed, the things that I did and dealt with on a daily basis with him, I can't even fathom or believe doing at such a young age. But I think that's also a testament to human beings. We adapt and we just do what we have to do. And I think a lot of us, especially women, go into survival mode. And I was just surviving off of what I had to to keep him alive. He was homeless. And there was many times where, you know, his housing units would drop him off at the hospital with no ID, no nothing. And my dad had dementia. He had no memory. He would have been on the streets of Seattle or anywhere had I not saved him. So it all comes full circle with this nonprofit. Yes, absolutely. So prior to founding Hashtag Lunchbag Seattle, what were you doing? Um, I actually have been, ever since I was pretty much in high school, I've always volunteered. I volunteered at our local children's hospital, which I actually ended up pursuing my career in medical to work there. I had a midlife crisis when I turned 21, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> um, cause I no longer work in medical, but I've always volunteered. It's kind of just what I do. I, it's kind of ironic that I run a nonprofit because I'm a very in the background kind of person. I, I'm actually not the kind of person that likes all the attention or especially public speaking. <laughs> so for most of my younger years and my early twenties, I was pretty much just volunteering. I was doing the cancer walks, the dementia walks. We do a thing here in Seattle called the big climb, which is for leukemia. And I just activism and nonprofit world is just my thing. And it's just something I've always liked to do. But I think that that's also because I was in the hospital so much with my dad that I saw a need and want to give back in that sense. I think that's a rare thing for (laughs) someone to really know what their passion is at a young age and then just work every day to get there. I feel like I talk to so many individuals who don't realize this until way later in life. And so, you know, I think it is rare and it's a great thing to recognize that early on. I think it's also because I saw so much ugliness of it, though. And I saw, like you had said, I saw so many people that didn't have a daughter to take care of a dad. And I saw so many, when I was working at Children's Hospital, I saw so many parents hurting. And it wasn't the kids that were hard to see. It was the parents. And I just, I really feel, and this is just my honest truth, it doesn't take a lot to be there for someone and to help somebody. And sometimes even just a smile or a hi can make the biggest difference. And When my dad passed away, I was going through grief really, really heavy. And honestly, the simplest things like just a smile really made my day. And I think that that is the common theme of humanity, which as a society and as a generation, we've lost. And I've had to really turn my gears in my nonprofit and make it more in tune to humanitarian versus this is just a sandwich that we're feeding somebody because there's so much more to that. It's not just a sandwich. It's the human touch and the human factor of handing that to the person and making the eye contact and showing that person that we care about them. 
Yeah. So just add on to that. Yeah. Will you just tell me about hashtag lunch bag? What do you do? Yeah. Okay. So hashtag lunch bag itself is actually a national nonprofit. We have them in Vietnam. We have them in New York. They're in Los Angeles and here in Seattle. And I started uh, the Seattle chapter. Our five-year anniversary is actually this month, which is pretty exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. We have built this nonprofit based off of making brown bag sack lunches for the homeless. And it's been so amazing because in the beginning of this chapter, we were meeting once a month at a local bar. We'd have music. We would have kids there. We'd make love notes, which, oh my gosh, talk about tearjerker. Those are like the best part about the lunches. Every lunch gets a love note that is made by a volunteer or a child. And oh, here comes the tears. (laughs) But it's just, it's a simple form of caring and also getting nutrients into somebody that doesn't have food. But with that foundation, we have done so much more. We've been able to do clothing drives. We've been able to do back-to-school drives for kids in foster care. We've done yoga for our cause. We've done, just this last February, I held a gigantic fundraiser that I did in three weeks to help the koalas in Australia. And it's just, Seattle is so phenomenal when it comes to giving back and people that care on all scales. And hashtag lunch bag for me has been able to be my way to get people in the door and to showcase and tell them about what's going on in the community and what do we do? What do we do as human beings? We give a lunch, but what else can we do? And it's just been great. So how did you learn about the national organization and what made you take the leap from, you know, knowing the organization and maybe volunteering to starting your own chapter? I actually bullied my way into this. I have been feeding the homeless by myself for so long and it was so hard. It was like pulling teeth to get people to commit to helping because it's just, it's just, it is what it is. That's what it's like in the nonprofit world. It's just really hard. And I ironically was going up to Vancouver, Canada to uh, volunteer with my girlfriend who does the same thing up in Canada. And somebody I was with was just like, do you know who hashtag lunch bag is? And I said, no. And she goes, you need to get a hold of this person as soon as we got service. Because when you leave Canada, there's service issues. Anyways, I came back to Seattle. And the second I did, I Googled hashtag lunch bag. And I, I found the person that was planning to start the one in Seattle. And I messaged him. And I was just like, you don't know me. I'm Carly. I need to help. What do I do to help you? Because it was everything I had already been doing. But there was just a name to it. And people knew the name. And people wanted to be a part of it. So I knew once I got on board with that, that it would take my passion and my visions of what I want to do in this community and just expand it. And I had a partner in the beginning of it, and then he got married and life changed, and now it's mine. And here I am. (laughs) So, you know, you said you always had this sort of advocacy and this passion for nonprofit, but... Did you think that would turn into being an entrepreneur and starting your own organization? No, absolutely not. This was so not on my grid. I mean, I honestly never knew that my life would turn out the way I did. I could have never imagined my dad's situation or I had, there's more life situations that's happened that has really molded me into this world. But as of now, it's what I live and I breathe. And I feel so passionate about just the human contact aspect of it and just I feel like it becomes a way of life and it becomes a character trait. And to give back is the most addicting thing I've ever experienced. And I don't have an addictive personality. And I really feel as a human being, if you can stand in front of somebody that 
is at the lowest of the lows that has bruises on their face or whatever the scenario is, if you walk away from that not affected, then I worry about you. I just love what you're saying because I think one of the biggest barriers, right, in any sort of giving scenario is that people feel uncomfortable when they don't know the situation. You know, they, they're they coming from a place of privilege, but also wanting to understand. And I think that's a big barrier. And right. specifically, I think around homeless individuals, there's so, oh, yeah. there's a lot of negativity and there's a lot of negative connotations around it where it can make people really nervous. And, you know, I'm someone who has built my life around giving back and helping yes. connect people to causes. And I remember years ago when I was thinking about how I wanted to help homeless individuals uh, around my community, what I started doing was just carrying packs of socks in the back of my car. Yeah. And when I would see a homeless individual, I would say, hey, do you need clean socks? You know, I have some of these. And you really realize just how grateful they can be. It really does. And how easy it is. Exactly. And how easy it is to just show someone, hi, I see you, I recognize you, and I want to yeah. I want to help. I think that's why I find for myself personally why it's not so important that I do this here in Seattle because I have had so many people come up to me with the exact thing that you just said. They just don't know what to do and they don't know how to help. And I feel like sometimes adults just need to be told what to do like a child does. And if I can be like, here you go, go to the store, buy a pack of waters, just keep them in the back of your car. Or keep a thing of granola bars on you. It's really that simple. And I think that it's also really important to acknowledge the fact that it doesn't cost a lot of money. It's really as simple as a common gesture. You know, here's a bottle of water or how is your day? I have come to the point now where I know there's nothing I can do or say that's going to fix this issue. The homelessness issue in Seattle is horrible and it's getting worse and worse. And that's a hard thing that I'm dealing with too as well. But I know as a human being, if I was in that situation and someone walked past me every day and didn't acknowledge me, that would hurt me as a human being in general. So I think that it's just important to continuously reiterate the easy ways it is to help. And that's where I, you know, really, really sourced my social media to expanding, you know, other ideas and other people's nonprofits, because at the end of the day, it takes a village. So what do you suggest is like an entry point for individuals who might be seeking to get involved? What's the easiest thing that they could do just to start giving back and getting involved in this? You know, honestly, you just got to do it. It's really that easy. There's You can't drive through Seattle without seeing somebody on any any corner of the street. You know, if you're at a stoplight, just roll down your window and ask them how they're doing. If you're at a, you know, if you're in a park and you see them and you have an extra bottle of water on you, just give it to them. And it's just that simple. You know, it's just, I think there's so much stigma and there's so much controversy and doubt about the reasons of homelessness because our news tends to tell people the wrong things. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of, you know, addiction and mental illnesses, but these are human beings that have a story. They are my dad. I have a story. I just happen to have a home, you know, and it's just, if we can break down all those stigmas and all those stories and just be human beings that want to talk and interact with each other, I feel like that would just be the easiest way to start. So talk to me about the nonprofit community in Seattle. So I think, you know, I see Seattle as a forward thinking place where there are a lot of uh, tech companies that are doing good work in the community and also a large nonprofit movement with individuals passionate about 
sort of different cause areas. So talk to me about that community. Are there other organizations that you work with? How do you recruit people to participate and volunteer with your organization? Seattle is hands down the most amazing place to be when you have a nonprofit. We are such a progressive city. And I have to tell you that I think for me personally, I have so much, I can't even, I don't even know the right word. I feel so blessed that every time I do an event or every time I'm somewhere, I happen to come across somebody else who runs a nonprofit doing something else or something in the vicinity of this need. I've been doing this for five years, pretty much once a month, five years straight. And I've seen what needs to be done in our community. I've seen that the mental health needs to be addressed, not knowing that there's actually uh, therapists on their time off that walk around the streets and offer therapy. I see so much need in this community and I'm finding out almost every day that there's individuals who run nonprofits that are doing what needs to be done. And it's something that we can't depend on our government. We can't depend on our city council. We as human beings are collectively coming together and making the change. And as somebody who's in her mid thirties, working passionately about this and seeing other people younger than me, older than me, the same age as me, who we don't get a paycheck. This is all out of heart. And I think that is just like the most incredible thing I've experienced. And Seattle is so open-minded and so open-hearted about this situation. It's just... I don't know if I could do it in a different city with the same reaction. About how many people do you serve? Okay. So we generally serve 500 lunches at a minimum. Our first year we had one event. There was a max capacity of people at our event. We had, I think, 200, 300 volunteers and we made 1,700 lunches. And that was our first year. I mean, we had one event where we actually had to rent a truck to go buy the groceries at our Safeways and at QFCs. And we had a giant beer hall donated to us. And if you go to my website, the actual photograph is from that event. And it's just, oh, it gives me chills to think about because those are human beings that on a Sunday woke up and decided to do the right thing out of their heart. And that's not people that I knew. I didn't know 1,700 people. That was people that all genuinely just wanted to come together and help a cause and help our community and our city. And I just, I can't even begin to express the gratitude I have for those human beings because they don't have to, you know? Okay, so you have been up and running for five years now. I imagine in those five years, you've had some setbacks. Oh, yes. Talk to me about some of the setbacks that you faced in your journey and how you overcame those challenges. About a year and a half ago, there was a news broadcaster in Seattle, and it was a pretty predominant um, news channel that did a documentary on Seattle's homelessness. And the title of it was Seattle is Dying. And basically, it was an hour documentary on addiction and mental illness and basically, you know, the bads and the cliche ideas of what people think homelessness is. And it stirred up so much anger and so much hostility in our community that I didn't even know if I can continue doing hashtag lunch bike, to be honest with you, because I didn't think I would have any volunteers. There was such a bad aura and feel in the city about homelessness. And it just, it broke my heart personally. And it broke my heart in a nonprofit world because I advocate so strongly for them and a newscaster comes out and 
it's like my whole world and my whole work just, just got depleted. I was really frustrated and I was very discouraged. And I had a conversation with two of the guys who actually started hashtag lunch bag down in LA. And I was telling them my, you know, emotions. And I just felt defeated, to be honest with you. I feel like I did so much work and we as a community do so much work. And then it just took us back 10 steps. And, you know, they were just said, just keep doing it. You know, just do what you got to do. Just you're doing this from a set a personal space and an emotional space. And they're like, just don't, just don't stop. Just keep doing it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I just didn't stop. And you know, whether I have two volunteers or 20 volunteers, I'm still going to do what I do. And here I am still doing it. So how does that work with the national organization? Do you all partner together? Do you have a network where you talk to one another? What does that look like? It's so amazing. I mean, these are like my little besties that I've only met once. And it's really great because about once a year, it's so cool. We get on a Zoom kind of call from every chapter all around the place. And last year, there was two separate calls in one day. And on one phone call, there was 30 of us. And you can see the little, you know, the little squares of the people. And because each chapter does it differently. We have the same story, but you know, I do some things different than Chicago does or Miami or whoever. And to get on a call with all these strangers that you've never met before, and we're all just giving advice on how to do this and how to donate money. Cause all of us, you know, a hundred percent of our proceeds go straight to what we're doing. So to like share our tricks and our trades or our setbacks. And it's just, it's just amazing. And it's, I don't even know how to express the emotions that come with it because these are human beings I've never met, nor will I ever probably see in person. And to have a conversation based off of some pretty heavy situations in life, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. And I, something we talk about all the time is having networks in any sort of entrepreneurial venture that you're doing, how important and crucial it is to have networks of support. And I think your network looks a little bit different than a lot of the entrepreneurs we normally talk with, but it is so important to just have those people to lean on, to share advice, and just have someone to even talk to or vent to when you need it. It's really great because when this COVID hit, I was just in shambles. I was like, what do I do? How do I help? And I remember I have insomnia and most of my really good ideas come at like three o'clock in the morning. And I had this like brainstorm idea. And I remember, I think I had texted two or three of the guys. There's like, there's four or five guys that started hashtag lunch big in LA. And I text them all the time. I remember texting them this idea and they were like, they just responded right away. And they just were so about supporting whatever it is I do. And I think that that's such an important thing, especially as, you know, I'm, I'm, by myself in this world and I'm by myself in this nonprofit and to have a backbone, even if it's via text or phone call, I think it's really important. Absolutely. So, you know, you just mentioned COVID and obviously COVID has had a huge impact on businesses, on communities. You know, I imagine with the unemployment rate as high as it is, we're going to see an increase in homelessness as well. So talk to me about some of the changes that you've made to hashtag lunch bag because of COVID and the needs that you're seeing in the community? You know, it was really hard when COVID hit because every idea that I had, whether it's getting, you know, donated books to kids in shelters or myself hand making lunches and passing them out, whatever idea I had, there was always a, I can't do that because that's putting somebody at risk. Or I can't do this because I don't want to put my volunteers at risk. There's a, this disease and this pandemic 
it's scary because we don't know if you have it, if you don't have it. And I don't want to put my people in harm's way. And I don't want to put the people on the street in harm's way as they already are. So I was really twiddling my thumbs for a long time on what I can do. And I had this idea three o'clock in the morning of, okay, my auntie works at a hospital in Seattle that is working on COVID. And I was like, okay, what if I fed them? Then I had this idea of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement started to happen. And I was seeing a lot of people in my community that I know struggling that own restaurants. And so I started this idea of let's purchase lunches from community-based restaurants and the essential workers. So I've really had to switch my gears from feeding those on the streets that I have been able to at least been told that the shelters are really stepping up and a lot of the um, nonprofits that actually house them have been stepping up to feed them. So I have a little bit less worry of those who are being housed. I still worry about those on the street, but I don't want to risk getting anybody sick. And that's such a hard thing to say because I just want to go out there and help my people. But I feel as a community, it's just important to give back to your community, period, whether it's the restaurant business, our essential workers. We actually just fed our um, social workers 250 pieces of chicken last week because I think that's a forgotten necessity of our community as well as our, you know, our children and our women who are on the streets. So there's ways to go around and there's different avenues to help in general. And I've been fortunate enough to have people that support me and want to help me. And I actually just did a drive with this local beer company called Rainier Beer, where they're helping me feed 500 essential workers. So we've, we've done the metro drivers, we've done the social workers, we've done the hospital workers, where it's just been great. You know, I think everything you're talking about comes back to the first question I had asked around what entrepreneurship means to you and that adaptability that you're able to just adapt to these current circumstances and help those who need it. And I love that you are supporting local small businesses and local restaurants to move your mission forward. And I think that that honestly is only because I've had to go through what I've gone through in life. I was able to adapt so fast to this because had I not had to adapt so much and my early life, I would have frozen in this situation. I wouldn't have known what to do or would I've been so proactive and just doing it. Yeah. It all comes, it all comes full circle. It's pretty amazing. The ups and the downs. And I think that that's also a huge thing that I like to express to people about those on the streets. It's like, you know, it, it's something that you have to have faith in yourself and you have to have faith in others that they're going to be able to adapt and change and pull through. Absolutely. So I feel like you've shared a lot of different milestones in your journey. Yeah. Are there any big milestones that we haven't talked about that you would love to share? Um, honestly, it's just the fact that I'm still doing this and it's, this is my fifth year, which is like, I can't even believe it's been five years. It's gone by so fast and I can't even cover what we've done. I know one of my favorite memories and accomplishments of this nonprofit is we actually hosted a breakfast about two years ago. I teamed up with another nonprofit. And instead of going out and passing out lunches, we actually invited those on the streets to come into our space and have breakfast with us. And it was such an amazing experience because I feel, you know, it's kind of anticlimactic when you're just handing somebody something and then walking away, but to have them in your space and we offered haircuts and we had blood pressure checks and we just, we had clothes to donate and it was just a sense of community. And I feel I just want that. I just want that for our city and our community. And I just want 
I know it's really naive to assume that that's going to happen, but I'm going to push for it. And I think every time I do an event like that, it gives me hope that we can do it. Yeah. I love that you've opened it up to all of these other wraparound services as well. Yeah. And I think, you know, the one thing that I hear from different organizations and individuals who are working to alleviate the homeless crisis is when you see a homeless individual on the street, just look at them, acknowledge them. Exactly. And I think by you just instead of going out and handing food, but you're saying come and join us for breakfast is just a really powerful statement of we are equals, we are humans. I've really had to, maybe it was right after that Seattle Dying episode came out, that I really shifted my gears with my nonprofit. In the beginning, I did it to advocate, to feed, to help. But I've really realized that I now have the ability to have people in my space, people I don't know, people I do know, and I can talk to them and I can tell them human contact, eye contact. If I was walking down the street and I smiled at someone, they're probably going to smile. And if I can have people in my space and I can explain that to them and have them leave my building, and whether it's somebody on the streets or just their neighbor, I feel like that is a change. And I feel like it becomes a part of you if you learn. It really is not that hard to be a human being and to be a good human being and a nice human being. And I think that we also are adapted to our environment and we're now in a, in a space where we're on our phones all the time and we're just kind of not in you know we just don't pay attention to our surroundings areas and I just think that it's so important that we snap out of that and bring it back to the you treat people the way you want to be treated period that's it so You've talked about your reason for starting this nonprofit Mm -hmm. and why you continue this work, but who are some of your role models in business? Oh my gosh. I have an actual job (laughs) and I have been working with the most amazing family for the past 13 years. I've been their nanny and I'm now transitioning into other roles as my kids are old. But my boss is hands down the most amazing human being I've ever met. He is in a pretty predominant circle of businessmen and investors and entrepreneurs. And my boss, no matter what anybody has to say or who he pisses off in his inner circle, he stands up for what he believes in and he talks about what he believes in. And I find so much encouragement and so much strength from knowing him and knowing his ways that I now know no matter what I do and what I say, If it's coming from my heart, I'm going to do and I'm going to say it no matter what anybody has to say. I mean, I have used my social media more than anything to advocate and repeat the words of what I believe in, no matter whoever pisses off. And I feel that had I maybe not been in his space for so long and I've seen it, oh, he's my hero, hands down. I love that. Such a great person to have in your life who leads by example. Yeah, definitely. And he, he doesn't have to care about the, you know, the us's of this world, but he does. And I think that whether you have a ton of money or you don't, you just got to stand up for what you believe in. Absolutely. So how do you stay positive and stay resilient during tough times? Mm, You know, I really learned this when my dad passed away. I, I really had to learn to listen to myself. 
And I really had to learn to just, whatever feeling it was, whether it was sadness, anger, whatever emotion it was, I really have learned to feel through it versus mask it. And I feel like that has really given me the upper hand on being able to adapt two times. Plus, I tell myself every day, trust the process. You have to. And I feel when I say it out loud to myself, I have a sense of, okay, everything is going to be okay. Everything's going to work out the way it's supposed to. As long as I'm being healthy and I'm doing the right thing, I'm going to end up fine. And I really feel like saying that out loud to myself has really made the biggest difference in my mental state and my emotional state, which I'm a very emotional person. (laughs) So that's saying a lot. I mean, I'm surprised I haven't cried yet. (laughs) Knock on wood. (laughs) So what's next? in this journey? What's next for hashtag lunch bag? Oh, I wish I could answer that question because I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. Every day is just a different, you know, different scenario and different, we just don't know with this COVID what's going to happen. And I wish I could tell you tomorrow, we're going to get back to feeding the homeless. But as of now, I'm just going to stick to continuing to feed the essential workers. There's a sense of unknowing, which is a little scary for me because I just always want to help, 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 help. But there's so many people that need help that I'm sure, you know, whatever comes along, we're going to figure it out and somehow put our minds to getting, you know, there's foster kids that need help. There's so many levels. It's like an onion. There's so many levels to just this one topic that there's always something that needs to be done. And I'm just trying to do it. Sounds like there's a lot of work to be done and there's really unlimited opportunity for what's next for you. Yeah, Hashtag Lunch Bag Seattle is not going away anytime soon. (laughs) I'm Carly Burke, founder of Hashtag Lunch Bag Seattle, and I made my business in Seattle, Washington. I love how Carly has taken every setback every bump as a challenge to just keep going because she knows what she's doing is truly making a difference. What I appreciated most about this interview is Carly's constant reminder to just treat all people with kindness. That's it for this week's episode. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Help us fuel these small businesses and the incredible founders and entrepreneurs who run them. This podcast is powered by GoDaddy and made with the help of our producers at Human Group Media.